Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope whatever day it is for you today, you're having the most wonderful, amazing day. I am bringing a super awesome interview to you today that is filled with all kinds of goodness about momhood and being a crunchy mom and all the things. So I'm really, really excited to introduce you to my guest today. But before I do that, I just want to preface this episode with the fact that we cover some pretty controversial topics in this episode. And I just really want to encourage you to listen to this episode with an open mind. If there is one thing you should know about me, it is that I am the most open-minded person you will ever meet in your life. I love to learn about and understand different perspectives and ideas, and I am not a dogmatic person in any way. Like My opinions on things, while they are my opinions, they, one, are things that I have spent lots of time to learn about and research very heavily, but also I am fully aware that they are my opinion and not everyone's opinion and not an opinion that I think everyone needs to have. And so when I share my opinions, know that it's not something where I am trying to convince everyone to agree with me. I truly respect every single person's opinion on any subject and I truly respect everyone's freedom to choose what they think is best for them. And I mean that so, so deeply. So please do not let my personal opinions trigger you in this episode. They are something that I, that are very important to me, but they are also something that I genuinely don't care if you agree with or not. I think whatever your opinion is, that's awesome. And I'm going to respect you and love you for it. And so yeah, I just want to preface this episode with that. I encourage you to have an open mind and explore these things without any preconceived notions or anything of the sort. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Intentional Health Podcast, a space for women to be empowered with the real no BS truth about their health. But to be honest, this podcast goes far beyond physical health. Join me each week as I share stories, science, and thoughts with you on everything surrounding womanhood. You can pretend we're just two girlfriends chatting over some homemade mocktails or a warm glass of raw milk, because that's how I want these conversations to feel. I'm not about formalities. I share the details no one wants to say out loud and answer the questions we've all secretly been asking. So welcome, friend. I'm so glad that you're here. Today on the podcast in the Girls Girls series, I have the pleasure of bringing you my good friend, Mary Kate Kilfoy, or for those of you that know her on Instagram, that crunchy mom Kate. So welcome to the podcast, Kate. I'm so excited to be here. Tell everyone who you are, a little blurb about you, if they don't already know. Okay, so I am That Crunchy Mom Kate on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I started TikTok a few years back, and I used to just post about, honestly, everything, like my anxiety journey, being a crunchy mom, um, healing my nervous system, nervous system dysregulation. And just like, honestly, anything controversial. And then this year, I decided to take it over to Instagram and start doing like food ingredients, um, mom content, 
being a crunchy mom, how I navigate like food with my son, because that's such a hot topic lately. Um, and yeah, it just kind of took off. I actually just put in my notice for my corporate job on Monday and I am going to do content creating full time now. So I'm super Hell excited. Hell yeah. That. I was so excited when you told me that. That's such a big and beautiful step. I know. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Okay. I want to start with your journey and how you quote unquote turned crunchy, turned to the dark side. So take us all the way back to the beginning of where this all started. Okay. So for my backstory, guys, I used to drink like a fish. Um, College, I was drinking like four nights a week with my friends, going out, living my best life, quote unquote, best life. Um, Didn't really care about anything. Um, And then my senior year of college, I got pregnant unexpectedly. And when I became pregnant, a lot of unprocessed trauma started coming up for me and I could no longer like casually drink a beer when I was anxious. Like I had to like actually sit with my thoughts and it was super overwhelming and I spiraled into a panic attack from that. Um, And I had the most dysregulated nervous system for the next three and a half years to the point I like fell out of my body 24-7. Like I would look at my hands and I didn't feel like they were attached to my body. Um, I would have intrusive thoughts. It was just like I was living in a nightmare, honestly. And it got to the point where I was like, I have to figure something out because either I'm not going to watch my son grow up or like I I just can't live this way anymore. Um, So I kind of started doing my own research a little. And back when I was pregnant too, like I would ask my OB questions like, what's the best prenatal to take? And I remember she said, oh, they're all the same. Like they're all made equally. And that was kind of a red flag to me, but I didn't really like think much of it. Honestly, I just like kept doing their recommendations. And then um, I started to kind of lean more into my own intuition as far as like when they wanted to do certain things while pregnant that are like routine and they just didn't feel right to me. So I would decline them. Um, And then my son was born. And I started to not feel good about well visits and like what they're recommending and just like routine things that people do all the time with their kids. They just, it didn't feel right in my heart. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why do I have such this deep intuition to not be doing what the norm is, like what everyone else is? And um, I kind of ignored my intuition until my son was four months. I went to his well visit and he then had brain swelling after as a result of that well visit. So that's when I was like, okay. Was it because of the vaccination? It was, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, and so after that, I was like, okay, screw this. Like, I'm a mom now, man up, like do what you know is best. So I was like, okay, we're done with the well visits. I'm changing our whole lives around. Like I remember that day I went and bought out like new diapers that didn't have chlorine in them. I switched out his body soaps, um, his lotions, anything that he was using every day. I switched like glass bottles, all of that type of stuff. And then I slowly started to make the switch for my stuff, like my hair stuff, my body wash lotions. And then I started buying organic foods. Um, and at the time though, I we were like very poor. So like I couldn't afford a lot of stuff. So I would sometimes like DIY stuff like vinegar in a spray bottle, which I still do now um, for like cleaning supplies. And I would shop at Aldi a lot. And like 
I would just do what I could, but I knew I wasn't doing like the most, but at the time it was perfectly fine. So I just kind of started out slow and now this has kind of evolved into my entire life. Um, and this lifestyle has become my entire life. Um, and yeah, I just, I love sharing my journey on like Instagram and TikTok. And I really like to make the point that like the lifestyle doesn't have to be all or nothing, but we can still make like tiny swaps as it seems feasible to us. Absolutely. It's so hilarious to me every time you post a screenshot of like someone comments, you know, one of your videos, like, oh, must suck to live with you. Or like, you must be the worst person ever to like be around. (laughs) And I'm like, people think this is like some crazy, like restrictive, like horrible lifestyle. And it's so funny because you're always clapping back at them. Yeah, I love love to see it. So what did your family think when you started making these transitions, especially the well visits and all the kinds of things? Because I know that is a heated topic for a lot of people and they really struggle to navigate that with their family. Yeah, my family thought I was absolutely insane. Um, Like they literally were like, are you okay? Like, why are, why would you ever get the idea to stop doing routine well visits? Why would you ever get the idea to like stop using Clorox and just like all these natural, pro- like, why are you trying to switch all of this overnight? And I was just like, I just have this deep intuition. Um, I've like done my research and I, yeah, they thought I was nuts, but it's funny because every one of my family members is like me now. Like, that's amazing yes yes like down to the well visit stuff like my sister is not doing those with her kids um so everyone's just like adapted to this lifestyle and I feel like my family as a whole is like healthier than they've ever been like mentally physically emotionally um so that's cool to kind of like play out because I used to be like the party chick and you know the girl who was so reckless and now I'm like what's the ingredients in this and um yeah, we're not, you know, we're not following the norm for this. So it's kind of cool to see how everything has evolved. That is super cool. Was it hard for you? Like when they weren't yet agreeing with everything, how did you navigate still making these decisions when people were making you feel like you were essentially harming your child? Yeah. Like that's a hard thing. It was. And I like, there'd be times where I was like, am I crazy? Like, and like, should I be listening to this? But it got to the point where I was like, no, God gave me an intuition for a reason. Like I am the protector of my baby. And it was like, nobody else is going to deal with the repercussions to what happens to my son, except me. Like at the end of the day, no doctor is taking care of my child 24 seven. It's me. So, and like, nobody is the authority over my child except me and I'm his voice. So if I don't have the courage to speak up for him, nobody's going to speak up for him. And like, yeah, I was 23 at the time, but it was like I had to grow up and just put my foot down and be like, I am now the protector of this baby. That is that like gave me chills. That's such a <laughs> beautiful mindset to have around it. And I feel like so many people struggle with that. Just putting their foot down. Do you know what your Enneagram number is? Because I feel like you're an eight. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Because it's so many people would not be able to be that like not confrontational, but like that forward with like, no, like this is what I'm doing. I don't care what you have to say. Like, I know, like I'm going to make decisions that's best for me and my kid, but that's hilarious. I love that. I guess that. Yeah, that is so (laughs) funny. Yeah. Spot on. I'm an eight. (laughs) That is so cool. What were the kind of resources in the beginning that 
you were leaning into that made you start to think of these alternative things? Because like you had to have gotten the ideas from somewhere, you know? Yes. So I joined Facebook groups, like mom Facebook groups. And I remember the first one I joined was called the Savvy Mom. I'm still in it. Still my favorite. Shout out Katie. She's my, she's like the OG crunchy mom that I had like on a pedestal, like looking to like, what what are resources for this? Um, and then also one of my friends, Mandy, she, those two were basically, and my daycare provider, actually, those three were the people, the only people I knew who were like, quote unquote, crunchy. So they would like just say stuff like, hey, have you ever thought about this? Um, or, hey, have you ever looked into this? And I'd be like, no, oh my gosh, can you send me resources? And then I would just do the research myself. And I feel like one of the coolest things like I will give myself a prop for is I was so open-minded when I became a mom to other people's suggestions. Um, like I'm sure if this was, you know, before I would have never been open-minded, like I would just have been straight in my ways. But I feel like when I became a mom, I just became so open-minded to other people's thoughts and ideas that weren't the norm. And they usually felt like more normal to me than what the quote unquote norm was. So that was cool to just like have a few close friends who would just kind of plant seeds and then let me go from there. That's great. I think that is so important to have those role models and those people that you can turn to, even if they're not like your actual friends, like the people that you follow on the internet who have those alternative ideas and also share them in a graceful way. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Talking about open-minded, I there are two things that you do with Barrett? Is that his name? Yes. You always yes. say B and then I like one day just forgot what his actual name was. <laughs> I know. I always forget that like I call him B, but nobody knows his actual name. Yeah. <laughs> I like think you said it once and then never again, <laughs> but I remembered it. Um, there's two things that are controversial. I don't think should be controversial that you do with Barrett that I would love for you to talk on how you made those decisions and for other moms that are th- thinking about leaning into those decisions, resources for them, or anything that you have to offer. Mm-hmm. One of those decisions being co-sleeping and the other decision being to not vaccinate him. Okay. So I will address the co-sleeping first. So we have close co-slept from day one. That was also another thing that I didn't, I actually didn't know anyone else that co-slept. Um, but my son was a baby who would wake up. I'm not kidding every 45 minutes for the first probably year and a half. Um, my sleep suffered so greatly. Like I was getting like maybe three hours of sleep, but broken up each night. And there was just no way I was putting my baby into another room. One, because I wasn't walking in there every, you know, 45 minutes, but two, it was just another thing that felt, I felt so dear to my heart. Like I am supposed to be connected to this baby 24 seven. Like I am the lifeline of this baby. Um, another thing was since my nervous system was so dysregulated, I never wanted him to have a dysregulated nervous system. So I always wanted him to feel like safe, secure, could always smell me, always knew I was near, always knew I was coming. And then once I did research on co-sleeping and how it can affect the nervous system, um, and cortisol levels, especially even if baby isn't crying anymore, studies have shown that cortisol levels are still spiked in those silent babies. Um, I was just like, there's no way, like I, I will not be co-sleeping. Like this is just, 
this is like ancestral. Like this is what we did back in the day. Nobody was just having a newborn baby and putting them in another room. And I'm not judging other moms who do it um, or, you know, think that it's best for their family. That that's totally fine. But this is just my conviction. This is how I feel to my core. And I, I will just always be a co-sleeper. And I think that there are so many safe ways to go about it. You can look up like the safe seven positions to sleep in, um, having bassinet next to your bed. Like, I just think there's so many options to go through. Um, if you feel like me, where you're just like, I can't imagine putting my baby in another room. And my son is five and he still co-sleeps with me. That is so cool. I remember because I'm obviously I'm not a mom. So I'm like, I've never delved into the mom world too deeply. So I, I don't really know the things that are like controversial and not controversial. And I remember the first time that someone brought up to me that like co-sleeping is controversial. I was like, wait, like why? I was like, that makes that makes so much sense. Like, how could this be a controversial subject? Like when you think about it, like you said, like ancestral, our babies don't know how to regulate their nervous system. They don't know that you're coming back. They don't know all these things. And so like to put your child in another room where they don't know where you are, they can't feel you. They can't smell you. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine, but I know yeah. so many moms, even when they believe those things they are still so nervous to do it just because of the fear mongering from others or because you know what is everyone else going to think and I can't even imagine how hard that would be yeah and another thing is the internet can be an amazing place to get resources but these poor moms who are like first time moms in pregnancy and you know in the thick of postpartum and then they see online like you know get your baby to sleep 13 hours a night and, you know, get your baby to start sleep or sleeping through the night at three weeks. Like there are so many things that are making money off of these moms who are just vulnerable, sleep deprived. And it's, it's just sad to think about because there's so many other ways you could go about, um, getting better quality sleep without, you know, having to sleep train if that's not what you want to do. Absolutely. All right, our other controversial topic. This is my favorite one. I've like dove, dove into, I have like a whole list of books on this topic. Yeah. For if anyone wants to read them. But this is, I feel like it is becoming less controversial, but it's still definitely a very heated topic. So how did you make this decision to not vaccinate? So I, my daycare provider, um, planted the seed to me when my son was three months, she was like, and up until that point I did, I did do vaccines. I didn't, they didn't feel right to me. Like I, in my gut, I knew I shouldn't be doing them, but it was just something that I was like, I just felt I had to do because I felt so pressured. So my daycare provider was like, do you vaccinate? And I was like, I do, but I honestly don't feel good about it. And she was like, Okay, let me give you some resources. So the first book I ever read was um, Dr. Paul's vaccine friendly book. Mm-hmm. And he actually gave like, okay, if you're going to do vaccines, space them out and here's the ingredients and here are the side effects and here are the studies that show how um, effective they are. And I read that book and it was like, okay, no brainer. I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't care what anyone else has to say. Like, that is all the proof I need. Um, so that sadly was after Barrett's four month shots, which he then had the brain swelling. But after that, I was like, I, I have all I need to make my decision. Um, and then some of my other favorite resources though, are in the trenches website. I love his, um, 
paragraphs on vaccines. Circle of Mamas, she has a website with studies linked. Um, Just the Inserts is a website and Instagram. She has all the studies linked. It's like not biased at all. It's just straight facts. She doesn't talk anything about what side she's on. It's just facts laid out Um, because I think that can kind of play a role in people's decisions. Um, If like someone, you know, leans one way that they're reading about, they probably feel like that's not like a safe, reliable source. So that one's a really good one. If you just want the straight facts, you want no emotion behind it. Um, Yeah, I would say those are like my top favorites that I often give moms who want to start looking into that. I love that. And I feel like it's so important to note, like, I think both you and I are not really heated on this topic where like if a mom decided they wanted to like great like you need to do what's best what you think is best for your child and Mm -hmm. that's awesome but we should be doing it in an informed way and like if we make a decision that we think is best for our child like that's we're allowed to do that and I hate that it's become such a heated discussion because genuinely like if someone were to say to me like yeah I'm vaccinated I'd be like cool happy for you like that's great like you do what's best for you so yeah, like it's going to piss a lot of people off this part of the podcast, but I don't know. I think it's just such an interesting topic to explore. And if people want, I have, I'm looking at a list of resources right now on my phone that I have written down, but first one, A Shot in the Dark by Candace mm-hmm. Owens, the docuseries. I think the first few episodes are free. Phenomenal because that is also like, she's like, I am just giving you the facts, no personal opinion. Like this is just, this is just what it is. The first few episodes will absolutely blow your mind. Um, and then the book, what is it called? Vaccines, Autoimmunity, and the Changing Nature of Childhood Childhood Illness. Phenomenal book. And then there's books called The Virus and the Vaccine. Then there's The Unvaccinated Child. And what is the last book? Dissolving Illusions. Mm-hmm. So yes. those are some good books to lean into if you want to explore this subject. Not if you want to completely change all your personal beliefs, that's fine. But I think it's a good thing to explore. Yeah. And like I said, I just think people have to stop putting emotion behind their opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I have friends who vaccinated. I have friends who don't, don't think of you any differently. If you exactly your decision informed, even if you don't, honestly, it's not affecting me. It's not affecting my son. I, it doesn't matter um, what Absolutely. people are doing. I will love everyone the same. And it's not political. Like yeah. people immediately take like, Oh, I'm not vaccinating my child. Like, Oh, this is some like political belief, but it's like, no, this is just like my medical belief for my job like just like I would choose to feed him a certain food or not feed him a certain food like it's the same thing like it doesn't have to be political yeah exactly and I think it it has become so political lately but like I have friends who are never vaccinated as child they're you know they're 30s 30 years old and like I never knew that until like recently like it's not it's just so weird that now like it's such a topic that people think is so controversial and it's like it's really not yeah, I so I actually I also never knew this is a controversial thing. I think it it wasn't a controversial thing until COVID happened. But mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I my parents stopped getting me vaccinated when I was seven years old. So I don't have any vaccines past seven. That is such a flex. That is such a flex. <laughs> it really is. Oh my god, but that would be because my fun fact at school. I would be like, I'm not vaccinated. <laughs> People would kind of freak out about it because at the time it was a thing that was like, like we had to get special forms when I went to school, Mm -hmm. like all these things. But when I was, so I was born with a neurological disorder. I have Tourette's disorder and, or Tourette's syndrome. 
And um, when I was seven, my Tourette's got significantly worse after I received, I don't remember what vaccine it was, but one of the vaccines and my parents were like, no, like we're done with this. And I'm so grateful that they made that decision. But yeah, I definitely never at the time knew that it was a controversial thing. And it definitely wasn't as much as it is now. But anyways, moving on to a less controversial topic. I love the mindset that you have around teaching Barrett his relationship with food, essentially. Because you have this beautiful way of teaching him, like, hey, these foods are healthy and these are unhealthy with, without having that, like, almond mom status of, like, yes. giving him giving him an eating disorder, essentially. So I would love for you to talk about how you approach that and what you found works and doesn't work. Yes. Okay. So first, I will start off with when he was an infant until about three, I was really strict about what he had. Um, like, I would never take something away from him if he was given it. Not like that, but it was just I made it known to people that we were around like hey he's still so young i'd prefer people don't just hand him out things or give him bites of ice cream or cake like no like he's eight months old he doesn't need to have a bite of that ice cream he has no idea what's it what it is you know um so i actually went into it with the mindset like he's not gonna you know he's just not gonna have these processed foods not he's never gonna have these ultra processed foods like that's so um not in line with my values. And then as he got older, like when he was about three, I was like, actually, I need to change my mindset because I don't want him to have a bad relationship with food one, but two, I don't want him to feel like he has to try to sneak things from me. Like I always go back to how would I want to be treated as a child? And it's like, I would want an open relationship with food and not feel like I have to sneak it from anyone. And that's how my parents were. They were so good about food with us, like never made us feel bad about food. Um, never like said, you know, Hey, you can't have any more of that. Or, Hey, that's not good for you. They were just like, let us eat intuitively. Um, and so that's kind of the relationship I ended up wanting to have with my son. So like, I let him make choices that he wants when we're out and about, um, like at birthday parties or, you know, if we're at the store and he wants to sometimes grab like a special snack that I normally wouldn't buy, totally fine. But like the groceries I'm bringing into my home every week are nourishing, mostly organic, like foods that are going to make him feel good. And he knows that. Um, so like when we're out and about, it's not that big of a deal to me. Like today we were at Costco and I let him get an ice cream and he probably had about five bites and then he was done. And I feel like that's because he knows like I, it's not all or nothing with my mom. I don't have to like, I don't, I'm not getting this treat, you know, once every year. So it's not like I have to have the scarcity mindset where if I don't eat this all right now, I never get it again. Um, so I feel like that really helps. And then I love to get him involved in the kitchen. So like, we'll be making food and I'll be like, Barrett, did you know that this avocado is so healthy for your brain? Like healthy fats help our brains. And I just kind of say stuff like that, or like, we'll be making ground beef. And I'll be like, did you know that this has a lot of protein? That's where we get our muscles from. This is packed full of vitamins. Um, just kind of that stuff and just plant seeds, but I never make it like intimidating or tell him like, no, you can never have that. Like, that's just not my mindset around it. And I feel like, I mean, he's five now and like, he genuinely will still pick the healthier choice if given two options, just because I feel like he knows like, Hey, if I really wanted this, my mom will let me have it. Um, so he doesn't feel like I have to eat it right now or I never get it again type thing. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, I love that. And I love that the like facts that you're telling him are all positive things. Like, hey, did you know this thing can benefit us in these ways rather than, hey, did you know that other thing is going to kill you? You know, like yeah, yeah. that's a very different. So how have you then approached like the foods that, you know, we want to limit or avoid? How did you approach that conversation? Yeah. So um like, let's say we're at the grocery stores. And again, like I said, the foods we bring into our gr- into our home on a weekly basis are nourishing. But like, let's say maybe once a month, I'll let him grab something that like is not as great. And I'll just word it as like, yeah, we can grab those this time. But we have to remember that sometimes these can upset our stomach or these don't make us feel our best. Um, So I'll kind of word it like that instead of just being like, no, you never get that because blah, 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 blah. Um, And I also do like to talk to him about food dyes. So I will just say like, hey, this has red 40 in it. This can make us feel really hyper and excited. We don't want to feel that way all the time. Um. I guess maybe excited isn't the word, but like revved up almost. Yeah. So like I like to try to plant those seeds on like a level that a five-year-old can kind of comprehend. Didn't he tell your sister or someone the other week that he wouldn't eat something because there were seed oils in it? Yeah. She was eating avocado toast and she drizzled honey on it. So Uh it looked like oil. And she was like, hey, do you want a bite? And he's like, oh no, you put seed oils on that. I can't have that. (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's fun to see like kids really want to learn about these things. And I know some moms are like, oh my gosh, well, I already have my kid growing up on ultra processed foods. How do I make the switch? It's like, it's not all or nothing. So maybe when you run out of Doritos, take your kid to the store with you and be like, hey, let's pick from these four options, you know, and let them pick a type of Siete chip that they want to try and just like try to make small swaps at a time. But like with my son, even I never push food as like, you need to eat all your food that's on your plate or, you know, you need to clear your plate or you have to eat this, you know, you can't get up until you eat your vegetables. Like that's just not how I approach food. And I think he genuinely loves healthy food just because I'm so nonchalant about like fruits, vegetables, eating your protein. Like it's just, it's just not an intimidating environment. Was it you? I think it was you that posted on Instagram that you always put his dessert on his plate as well be so that there's not like that thing of like this elusive thing that he's going to get talk talk more about that yeah yeah so even like sometimes honestly like at breakfast like if he like wants a square of chocolate like we do huge chocolate like I'll put that on his plate with his eggs his avocado his fruit and like I just don't make it a big deal because I don't want him to ever feel like oh, she's making me all my food just so I can have this bite of chocolate. Or, you know, I I just don't want it to ever be like, here's the prize dangling in front of you. Now do what I want to get it type thing. So mm-hmm. I just try to make it as like neutral as possible. Like, oh, you want a piece of chocolate? Cool. I'll put it on your plate with your other food. And it makes that food le- not like less desirable, but less mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this thing I'm not a lot of have. So now I'm going to want it 10 times more. It like completely like he's like neutralizes that food in their brain. Yeah, kids kids want control desperately. So I feel like the more control I can let him feel, the less he craves it, if that makes sense. Like, oh, you want the chocolate? Sure. You can have it with your breakfast and like eat it with your eggs and your avocado. And I just try to make it as neutral as possible and not have a power struggle. 
That's really great. I also for just going back to like how to make your kids, quote unquote, make your kids eat this way. I feel like people don't realize how much if you are starting with like you still have a baby and you get to now develop their palate, you don't realize how much the food that you give their kid creates what they crave. So if you your kid has never had all these ultra processed sugars, they're not things that they're going to crave. And like a hilarious example is my best friend, Isabella, her baby, well, not a baby anymore. He's like two years old. But one of his first foods was raw liver. And this kid literally eats raw liver like it's candy. If you pull liver out of the fridge or the freezer, he will go absolutely nuts. If you don't give him some and like you eat some and don't give him some, like he will throw a fit because he loves it so much because his palate has Mm -hmm. like evolved to enjoy that taste. And like most of his favorite foods are things that we'd be like, oh my gosh, like that's so gross. Like when kids, when kids first foods are bone marrow and things like that, it becomes something that their body craves as nutrients and those tastes. And so it's a lot easier to feed your kids these foods from the start and like develop their palates for it. And you'll be shocked at how much they actually enjoy these foods and how little of a struggle you actually have to like make them quote unquote, make them eat that food over the cookie or this is that. Yeah. 100% agree. And I feel like, like big food in a way has even just like pushed it to where like our baby's first foods, they're wanting us to give them like the rice cereal and, and the baby rice. And it's just like these ultra processed things. And it's like, we could literally just be doing avocado, sardines, bone marrow, liver, steak, like start them out on these nutrient dense foods and their taste buds will absolutely crave those types of things instead of like pouches and, um, you know, ultra processed snacks. And the, the also those recommendations blow my freaking mind. Cause like the facts that kids don't eat, what is the enzyme amylase? I think it's called is the enzyme that's needed to digest starches, which mm-hmm. is rice cereal. Kids don't even, pr- or babies don't even produce that enzyme in their saliva until they're what? Like, I think it's like one and a half years older. I yep. don't quote me on that. Something no, like right. that. Yeah. So it's like for their first food to be this thing that they, their body literally can't even break down and digest properly is insane. And it's yeah. not nutrient dense. It's not any of these things. That's just yeah, and so it, wild to me. Crazy is they're even recommending those like for babies who have acid reflux. And it's like, there are so like, we could be suggesting going to the Cairo, like we could be doing so many other things, but we're damaging the gut from the get go. And then essentially making them need to rely on pharma for their life. Like just because we're Absolutely. already in the gut and stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. It's crazy. Are, have you like delved into the world of jaw structure and all those things for kids? I am now because the holistic mother got me started on it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you've read The Dental Diet by Dr. Stephen Lin yet. Oh my gosh. Okay. You have to pick it up and read it. So he, this, I, so let me backtrack. Like two years ago, I listened to Dr. Stephen Lin's podcast interview with Dr. Paul Saladino. And he talked about how, which this blows my mind that I never once thought about this, but the fact that everyone in the modern day needs braces and our teeth can't fit in our mouth 
is not actually a normal thing. Like our bodies are supposed to be designed for our teeth to fit in our mouth. We sh- our wisdom teeth, we shouldn't not have room for them and they need to be like taken out of our body. Like we should have room for those things. So then the question is why are all of these children developing jaws that don't fit their teeth? That doesn't make any sense. And he goes into the whole, all the studies of like how, what, your mother ate when you were in the womb determined like your bone structure and like how your bones are going to develop and what you eat as a child and your mouth breathing and all of these different things that contribute to the way that your jaw develops as you're growing and develops if you're going to be all your teeth are going to be able to fit in your mouth or not and he shows all these pictures of not just like indigenous tribes where they have the most perfect, beautiful set of teeth you've ever seen. They've never worn braces, but also in certain countries in Europe, like braces aren't a thing. No one gets braces, but everyone has nice teeth. Like, and it's like, why are Americans and all these Western societies having these terrible teeth issues when other societies aren't? And like all comes down to like your diet actually affects the way your jaw develops, which makes so much sense, but you would never think of it that way. Anyways, have to dive into that book. So freaking good. Yeah, that's that's a topic that I have like just started looking into. And it's honestly mind-blowing. But at the same time, it's like, of course, like of course that is from deficiencies from what we're lacking. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Okay, I want to take a step back from child things for a minute and talk about motherhood and specifically how you have approached regulating your nervous system because I think that is something that most moms struggle with, you know, a dysregulated nervous system. And that obviously is so important for your health, but also so important for your child's health because your nervous system is your child's nervous system. So I would love for you to share kind of that journey and what has worked and what hasn't worked for you and all of that. Yeah. So the first step I feel like is becoming aware, aware that like your nervous system is dysregulated. And if you're like, I have no idea. Um some things that I'll like find myself getting triggered about. Like if my nervous system is dysregulated, I feel so much less patient. Um, I feel more triggered easily. So like, I think the first step for moms is like catching yourselves in that dysregulated state. Um, the number one thing that helped me and I will shout her from the rooftops because she actually saved my life is, um, Dr. Ashley Moreland. A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H, and then Moreland. Um, She is a neuroscientist that specializes in nervous system regulation. I did one-on-one sessions with her, and it was literally like a flip of a switch. Um, She tapped into the subconscious and like let out those suppressed emotions. And I was a completely different person. Like all of my symptoms started to go away. I felt in my body again. I didn't have the severe brain fog anymore. It was like a night and day difference. And it was all of my physical symptoms started to like essentially melt away because my nervous system became regulated. So like my body was like, okay, we can, we're not in the fight or flight anymore. Like we can calm down and heal. And it was just crazy to see the night and day difference of how much better I felt. So I feel like if you can 100% work with her, but if not just doing small things during the day for yourself, even if it's, if it's just like take two minutes to like take deep breaths and like fully feel in your body and also becoming aware of like, okay, I'm dysregulated. This isn't my child's fault. My child is not trying to give me a hard time. Like how would I as a child want my caregiver to react? And that's something that is constantly playing in my head is 
putting myself in Barrett's situation, how would I want a caregiver to react to the situation we're in right now? Um, like for example, today he spilled his soup on the floor and like, I had two choices. I could either be like, Oh, no problem. I'll help you clean it up. Or I could be like, Oh oh my gosh, I can't believe you spilled that. Why did you stand up with your bowl? Like, and just completely let myself be dysregulated. But the more that I choose to be in that regulated state, the more his nervous system is going to be in the regulated state. And like, that is my main goal as a mom is to have children that have regulated nervous systems. So with that, I have to be the one to regulate my own nervous system first. I love that. I think that is so cool. And it's such an important thing that people don't even realize like when they're in that dysregulated state. And I feel like so many people will give the recommendation of like, oh, like do some breathing, this, this, and that. And I feel like it's the thing that people immediately dismiss. Like, don't freaking tell me to breathe. Like breathing's not going to help me right now. And I was always that person who was like, I don't want to do freaking breathing exercises. Like, stop telling me that until this one day. This is such a weird story. But I was camping with a friend and two like females camping by themselves. Like, that's already a very stressful situation for me. Like, I my thoughts go all over the place. Like I'm a very nervous person. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the middle of the night, I like heard, and we were like nowhere near any other humans. And I heard some sounds and I started freaking out. And my, when I tell you my entire body started uncontrollably shaking, it literally was like, I was on a vibrating plate and it was mm-hmm. just shaking me. And for 20 straight minutes, I could, every inch of my body was like uncontrollably, it literally looked like I was having a seizure. Like it was insane. And I was like, I, I'm not doing this. Like my body is doing this. I don't know how, like I physically cannot stop this. And like the only thing in the moment I could think to do was I'm going to do some box breathing, which is like five breaths in, five breath holds, five breaths out, and then five breath hold. And I was like, this feels so stupid, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Within two minutes, my entire body had stopped shaking. Like the amount, the calm that came over. And I was shocked. I like could not believe that that had actually physically regulated my nervous system in that moment. And it's just so interesting because I feel the, the breathing obviously was what did it, but also the fact that I, while I was doing it, I wasn't thinking this is so stupid. Like this isn't going to help blah, blah, blah. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to focus on it. This is going to help me. This is working. And it was like night and day. And since that day, I've used it for so many situations where I feel so dysregulated and I'm like, okay, box breathing two minutes, like actually being intentional about it. And it has such an impact. It's really cool. The other thing that I did though, sorry, one more story (laughs) was I literally last week, I went to this thing. It was hosted. I feel so bad that I don't remember the one name, but it was Ben Greenfield and someone else whose name I don't know. And they hosted this like three hour workshop where it was breathing and meditation. And it it was, (laughs) it was ending with a blindfolded dance party. And I remember hearing that and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like I'm in, but I had never done all the other stuff before. And essentially it ended up being like two straight hours of Wim Hof breathing, which if you don't know what that is, go look it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. So it's two hours of Wim Hof breathing and then a meditation and then a blindfolded dance party. And it was, the whole thing was around like nervous system reset. And let me tell you that Wim Hof breathing Never had never done it at that scale before, but I felt like I had been reborn afterwards. Like 
my body was so calm and regulated. And I was like, this is amazing. So anyways, breathing techniques, all the different ones can be really powerful. Yes, I agree. Okay. I actually need to look that up though. I mean, cut this out, but like, I'm going to look up that Wim Hof because I have you never done it. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's literally, do we have to cut this out? No, we don't have to. Oh, okay, cool. It's, it's literally essentially. So the first time I did it, I thought it was like the craziest thing ever. It was something that Jesse had always had done in the past. And we had like first started dating. He was like, oh, let's do this thing together. And I was like, okay, cool. And, and do you know who Wim Hof is? No. Okay, he's this guy who lives in like Scandinavia, somewhere where there's a lot of ice and snow. And he basically is famous for doing insane cold plunges where he'll like do like plunges in the ice and stuff and then do his Wim Hof breathing. And so like Wim Hof is the person, the breathing technique was named after him. And he's this just like crazy guy and he hosts retreats out in wherever the heck it is. And so it's this breathing technique where you essentially like, literally hyperventilate for like a minute. Like you're like, like really, really intense breathing. And then you hold your breath for a minute and it's like on and off, like switching between those two things. And it's wild. You, there's like guided things on YouTube where you can do it, but it's very cool. Okay. I have heard of that. I, I have heard of that before and I've done it and it actually works. It's amazing. It's yeah. Like, we're like, <gasps> yeah. And then, and then yeah, hold. Okay. Yeah. It's I very have cool. That. Yeah, I literally did that for two straight hours. It was the most insane experience of my life. I thought I was going to die for a minute. Literally <laughs> half halfway through it because we're laying there and we're blindfolded and we have headphones on. So it's like a complete like immersive experience. And halfway through, I literally just started uncontrollably sobbing. But I couldn't tell you why I was sobbing. I That's just, amazing. Like, it was this like this insane emotional release of like all these emotions that I didn't even know were stored in my body were coming out. And afterwards, I, like I said, I literally felt like I was like reborn. Like I've never felt just so purely content and happy and calm. It was cool. That sounds absolutely incredible. I need to, I need to go to one of those. It was very good. Okay, let's end with this question because I feel like so many, well, first of all, I feel like so many moms will look at where you're at or so many not moms will look at where I'm at and it's like, oh my gosh, like I, like I'm so far away from that. Like how am I supposed to quote unquote like become that intentional about all of the things in my health and people don't realize that they're you know, that, that old quote of like, don't compare your day one to someone's day 500. Like mm -hmm. we are so, you know, this is a journey of years and years and years that we've been on and now we're sharing it, but like, we didn't start yesterday in all of these things. And so what are your, what would you say are some really realistic steps for moms that are like just entering this journey or even not moms that are just entering this journey and want to quote unquote, like become more crunchy or become more health conscious, but either there's a lot of financial constraint for them or it's just overwhelming and they don't have the time to spend millions of hours researching. Yeah. Okay. I would say the number one thing is you have to be open-minded. I feel like we as a society have been just conditioned to be so close-minded and just be taught like this is the way of doing things and that's it. But really, like if you can be open-minded, you will be shown a whole new world that honestly breathes so much like hope and light and just 
complete joy and knowing that like you can take control of your own health. Um, so my first thing is be open-minded. My second thing is regulating your nervous system. Um, if, especially if you're a mom or wanting to become a mom, I feel like that is such a huge step. But then third, just doing small stuff. Like if you, for example, use like Clorox bleach to clean next time you run out of it, just grab a bottle, a gallon of vinegar, grab a spray bottle and make that your cleaning solution. Like that is literally a dirt cheap solution and it's going to make a huge difference. And another thing I want to say is like, you don't have to make all the swaps overnight. You could literally switch out your um, Clorox for the vinegar. And then in a month, maybe when you run out of laundry soap, switch that out. And if you feel like, oh, I can't afford, you know, the non-toxic laundry soap, you could literally do something like baking soda and vinegar. And that can be your laundry soap. Like this lifestyle is actually so much cheaper or can be so much cheaper than how you're living right now. Um, Another thing is like, if you can't afford organic, I wouldn't sweat it. I would focus on eating like real whole nutrient dense foods and you don't have to buy all like the crazy fun packaged foods because those are expensive. And I honestly don't like buy a ton of those when I go to the store because they are expensive. So I would focus on buying like fruits, vegetables, um, meat, dairy, things like that. And it's like, you don't have to be all or nothing. And I think people, especially in my comments, like get so tripped up on like, oh, you'll buy this, but you won't buy this. Or, oh, you'll wear this, but you want to buy organic food. It's just like, nobody said this lifestyle has to be all or nothing. Take what resonates with you and leave what doesn't. Or if you don't have the capacity to take in all this information, that's okay. Take one piece at a time and just go at your own pace. Like it's, it's not a race. It's, it's what feels good to you. Absolutely. I love that. And it's like, yeah, if you're not doing everything perfect, if you're still removing, let's say 30% or 50% of the toxins in your life, like that's a really big difference. Like it doesn't need to be a hundred percent. Like it's just about better. It's about safer, not safest, not best. Like yes. it's just about little steps to like, how can I reduce my toxic load? How can I reduce the things that are leading to inflammation? Like reduce, not completely remove. And I think that's a, such a big mindset shift that people need to have in this space. For sure. And I think when I did start out, I tried to be perfect and it consumed me. It gave me so much anxiety. Like it was doing more harm than good. And I had to take a step back and be like, okay, chill out. Not everything has to be perfect. And then I enjoyed this lifestyle so much more. And it felt so much more doable because it wasn't all or nothing anymore. It was just do what I can and just let go of the rest. That's the other thing is like, it really is supposed to be enjoyable. Like, I feel like I've gotten so many comments where people are like, oh, like, you must have such a poor relationship with food or like, oh, like she clearly has an eating disorder. And it's like, I literally get so much joy from the food that I eat. And I've also never once like seen it as restriction. Like I genuinely see it as fun. Like trying to find ways to like incorporate organ meats into my diet is like a game for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, okay, let me try this recipe. Oh, that absolutely sucked. Like, okay, let me try the next one. Like it's this fun, like challenge for myself. Like how can I include as many nutrient dense foods in my life as possible in a way that's like super enjoyable and delicious. And like, I've never once been like, oh dang, gotta eat this or gotta eat that. Or like, oh dang, like, I wish I could have that thing. Like I just make it a game to find ways to eat the foods that are going to nourish me and like 
find alternatives for the ones that don't. And it's, I've never had a bad relationship with food. I've never had like an eating disorder. I'm just like, this is just, I enjoy making myself feel my best. Yeah. And it got to a point where it's like, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes I will have a treat or whatever, but it's just, I feel so much better eating these like whole foods that I don't want to go back. And especially like if I start my day off eating like a nutrient dense balanced meal, I feel incredible throughout the day. But I think most Americans just are so used to not feeling good that they don't realize they could feel so much better. You literally don't know what feeling good feels like. And it's insane. Like you think that the way that you're feeling is normal until you experience the opposite and it's life-changing. And I think it's also like your palate changes very slowly. I used to be someone who craved sweets like so badly. Like I would eat like 10 chocolate chip cookies a night before bed. And I physically could not resist those foods. Like if they were in front of me, like I was going to eat them. Like I desperately craved them and very, very slowly, definitely not overnight whatsoever. My palate has evolved to where one, I don't even crave those foods. Like I see them and I genuinely do not want them. But then also the things that I do crave, like for dessert at night, this may sound so weird, but one of my favorite things to eat for dessert is a sweet potato with brown sugar on it. Like that brings me more joy than any possible cookie or anything. And like, but it took a while for my palate to evolve to where like that to me was sweet rather than this like ultra processed piece of cake or something. Like Mm -hmm. it takes a long time, but you do start to lose those cravings and like the, your palate shifts a lot. For sure. My biggest, and I say this, I said this on another podcast I was on recently. I, my taste buds have changed so much that I tried a Dorito like a couple months ago and it truly tasted horrid. Like I couldn't believe that that is what used to be my norm, but it's like my taste buds have just changed so much. I can't handle the taste of that kind of stuff anymore. That's so funny. Yeah, I definitely have had the same experience. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for bringing all of this goodness to my community. I know they're going to love this episode and just get so much out of it. So thank you so much. Yeah, it was so fun. I'm so glad I was on. Where can people find you if they want to follow you online? So you can find me. I'm mainly on Instagram. That's where I like do all my stories, all of my reels. I answer DMs. Um, I'm that crunchy mom, Kate. You can also find me on TikTok and I will be taking on clients soon as well. I'm actually graduating as a doctor of naturopathy. Oh my gosh. Um, I didn't even know that. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Hold on. So you had a corporate job. You ran your Instagram account. You're a mom, you're homeschooling, which, oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about that. And you're in school. Yeah, it was my life was honestly so chaotic. Um, Holy crap. Yes, yes. But the reason I went back to school was because I never wanted a single person, mom, child to ever feel the dysregulation and just like the hopelessness and the dread and doom of life like I did. So I was like, I have to go back to school because if I feel this way, 1000%, there's other people that feel this way. And I just, I want to give hope to the hopeless, because if I can recover, which I never thought I would, if I can recover, absolutely anyone can. That is amazing. You're a freaking superhuman. Wow. So when, when do you graduate? Hopefully within the next few months. And then I will be doing virtual clients. 
Okay, cool. Well, everyone go follow Kate, check her out, go do a session with her when she graduates. That is, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't believe I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. I always forget to talk about it. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on today and we'll have to do this again soon. Yes. Sounds good. Thank you.